0: three-hour edition sports talk here on a Friday afternoon. He's Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. You heard it right. Jim Rome is going to be calling into the program in the next few minutes. The reason is Jim, for those of you that don't know, in his spare time is a horse racing owner. In fact, he has a stable. His stable is called Jungle Racing LLC. What an appropriate name. And his horse is the morning favorite for Sunday's Mind That Bird Derby. You better believe it. Straight up G. 3-1 to one Sunday when that race goes off at 4 o'clock uh, here in the Sun City. And the Mind That Bird Derby is really the best prep for the Sunland Derby, which, as we all know, is valuable points that could go towards the Kentucky Derby. So um, when we get Jim on the show today, we'll talk about you know how a guy that has spent so many years in the sports radio and sports media business uh, got into the hobby of owning horses and ultimately now has a horse that uh, did uh, terrific in Southern California at uh, Los Alamitos and also at Del Mar and has his sights set. For Sunday's big race here at Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino, Adrian.
1: Yeah, I love this. What a coincidence, Steve. The fact that uh, he'll be here in the nine one five, and uh, the fact that his horse is the betting favorite. I love this, Steve. I think this is uh, super cool. And and I, I wonder. I mean, he'll he'll come on and he'll probably answer this, but I wonder if he's ever been to the nine one five before.
0: I don't know if he has. I mean, he's been on the radio here for for years, um, but I don't know if he's ever been to this area before we'll find out we'll ask him and um you know, he's going to make his first if he, if he hasn't been he'll make his first trip uh here this weekend and who knows if the horse does well he'll come back next month for the sunland derby and uh, perhaps after that churchill downs i mean that, that could all be in the mix uh for the you know situation right now with straight up g and Jim Rome so yeah real interesting storyline as we begin the program today so let's jump out uh, to our hotline and uh, welcome in to the program uh, a man that really needs no introduction because he's one of the best in the business and what we've been doing he's been doing it even longer than I have which is hard to believe but here he is and he's got a horse and straight up G that's Going to be racing Sunday afternoon at Sullen Park Racetrack and Casino. He's Jim Rome, and he joins us live here on Sports Talk. Jim, good to have you on the show. Thanks for the time today. How are you?
2: My man, Steve. I'm doing great. I appreciate the invite. Everything is good out here. How about you?
0: We're fine, and uh, actually excited about Sunday, because it's going to be a great day of racing at Sullen Park Racetrack and Casino. And uh, your horse right now, Straight Up G, the morning line favorite for the big one, the Mind That Bird Derby, which then uh, begs the question, Jim, uh, tell me a little bit about the horse and how you got involved in uh, wanting to nominate him and, and race here at Sunland.
2: All right. So the horse is actually a jungle racing homebred. So it's deeply, deeply personal to me. We own the dam and she never raced before. And we also own a part of the sire, Straight Fire. So this, I mean, the homebred, for those who understand the game, Stephen, you do, I'm sure this. It is really hard to breed, and we only have one broodmare. So this is a long, slow process. So, you know, he's off to a pretty good start. He ran fourth in his first race, and then he broke his maiden really impressively at Del Mar, won a stake race, ran back in another stake, lost by a neck. So, man, I'm in love with the animal. I love him. In terms of why we're coming to Sunland, I've never been there. You know, I thought it would not be a bad idea to get him a look at some open competition. I'm not really sure what he is. Like, he's a nice colt but I'm not sure how nice. I'm not sure whether or not he wants to route. So we need to find out more about him, and I think we're going to find out a lot come Sunday.
0: No doubt about it. You will. And uh, it's interesting. You said you've never been to Sunland Park. Have you ever been to El Paso before?
2: Uh, briefly. In and out, but not for very long. Now, I will say in my career, it's not El Paso, but one of the most important markets in my career, my entire career, is Albuquerque. Like, and you'll understand this as a radio guy. When we syndicated my radio program for the first time in the 90s, we started with four affiliates. Like a, There was no existing network. We went grassroots, door-to-door, and one of my original four affiliates was in Albuquerque and still is. So wow. the New Mexico market is really important to me. But, no, I've not spent a lot of time in El Paso.
0: Now, I understand that for you, horse racing is something that you got into about 15 years ago. And I don't want to say you were talked into it, but I guess you, you got the bug after uh, becoming part of a syndicate, right? And after that, you were hooked.
2: No, no, you actually are right. I was talked into it. Like, I never had any interest whatsoever. The, my racing life was I'd go to Del Mar once or twice a summer, have a pop, get my gamble on, have a good time. But there was a guy there named Billy Koch. Billy Koch was one of the founders of a syndicate called Little Red Feather. And I'm telling you, it was the weirdest thing. Like, wherever I was, this guy was there. Like, he had some kind of GPS on me or something. And I would drop in, and he'd be up on my grill like, do this, do this, do this. I'm like, bro. Bro. I've never seen anybody sell as hard as you. I really like you, but I have no need for this. I don't want to do it. My wife says to me one night, let's do it. You need a hobby. Get out of the house. All you do is work. So we bought a piece of a colt. And I'll be honest with you, I really did not know that much about the game. And then I went to the park, or I think he either ran a Hollywood park or Santa Anita. The horse literally came from last to first, out of the clouds, won the race. And I like to tell the story that it was like somebody snuck up on me and injected me with equine crack, which that's not funny anymore for obvious reasons. But, like, I was hooked. Like, if that horse had finished middle of the pack, I probably would have never bought another horse ever again. But it was such an amazing feeling that when he won that race, I'm literally like, dude, what else do you have to sell me? Like, I was such an easy mark at that point, and I had it. I just It was in my blood the second we won that race.
0: Jim Rome with us here on Sports Talk as we kick things off here on a Friday. Now I, I've been reading up on on you and your love for horses, and it sounds like it's, it's like a genuine love. I mean, this is not just saying you know you own it because it's a great investment. You absolutely love these horses that are in your stable and 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 that have become part of your life.
2: Dude, it's not a great investment. I mean, light your money on fire. I mean, I've had I I have made and lost. So much money in this game, you cannot even believe. And somebody said to me early on, like I'm an animal guy, and I think a lot of people who don't understand the sport are like, "Oh, really? You love the animal, but you race the animal?" And it's it's not that simple. And not everybody in the game loves the animal. I'm just going to be real about that. But I will tell you this: somebody said to me early on, "Here's your problem, Rome. Your problem is you fall in love with every single horse." I said, "Wrong. The reason I'm in the game is because I fall in love." With every single horse. They're amazing, majestic animals. And yeah, look, it's a business. You've got to run the thing like a business. I'm not in it to light all my money on fire. But first and foremost, man, I, yes, I am in love with the animal. In love with the animal.
0: How about the family? Your wife, your kids, Jake and Logan, are they all hooked in with you as well?
2: <laughs> yes and no. I mean, for a while, Jake, Jake never really felt it. Logan, before he hit puberty, was really big on. Checking, you know, the race form and breaking tape with me and guy. He was all about it. Logs. Logs loved it. And then, you know, he found out about baseball and girls and things like that. So, you know, he's kinda half in. Janet Janet's still all about it, but I'm like the guy. So if you want to rank in in a hierarchy, I, I love the thing of beyond belief. Janet adores our horses, all of them. And the kids can take it or leave it at this point.
0: Now, Jim, how big is Jungle Racing in terms of just how many horses uh, do you have in the stable?
2: All right, so much more. We've scaled way back. So what we have right now is we have the broodmare, who is Gidget Girl. I've got, we, okay, here's what we've done with her. She, she has Gidgetta, and then we sold the next one, a colt by the name of Thrive to Eclipse Partners. Then we have Straight Up G. We have another yearling, a colt. We just had a baby this past week. That's Canadian bred, so that's the extent of them. And we still have the brood mare and we have to breed her back. But I want to see how the horse runs this week before we decide who to breed her back to. So, and then, and then by the way, by the way, we have retired horses. You know, we take care of our horses. So I've got a few that are just kind of out living the life retired. So you know, we only have two that are currently racing. One that will race. One that just dropped. And you know, it's just a small breeding outfit right now.
0: What's it like as far as a baby? I mean, I'm curious, because I've never been around one. You probably have with this one. What's it like when you really see a horse for the first time, uh, at least at that stage?
2: It's insane. Steve, it's insane. Like, here's the thing that, was, the, the thing that blew my mind more than anything else about the breeding aspect. With the, the one that we had that we started with was a Brazilian mare by the name of Surfer Girl. And we brought her in, and she ran down the hill at Santa Anita and was lights out. I mean, she ran huge but got really sick and nearly died. The extent of my race life was only at the track. I'd only seen them at the track in training. And I'll never forget, when we sent her back to Kentucky to breed her, she was just a racehorse. She was retired. She came off that van. And i had never seen a racehorse like in, you know, their normal, their normal origins. Like she's rolling around on the dirt. and Then she has a baby. And Janet and I would get on a plane. Every time we had a baby, I mean, it's mind-blowing. It's an amazing thing to see. It's great.
0: Jim Rome with us here on Sports Talk. All right, so uh, straight-up G, uh, trained by Richard Baltus, and I know uh, the big win uh, over in uh, Los Alamitos was Ricardo Gonzalez. Is Ricardo going to be at Sundland uh, on, on the Mount?
2: Yes, yes. Ricky loves the horse. Ricky is one on the horse, and he definitely will be there. So that's a good thing, I think. He knows the horse.
0: Absolutely. And tell me what uh, Richard Baltus is like as a trainer.
2: I love Richie. I I do. I do really well with Richie. Richie, I I do really well because I, I I stay in my lane. You know, here's the thing I've learned. I, I let the horse people make the horse decisions. I just want to be involved. I like to know what's going on. But the thing that I like about Richie, he, he understands how much I love the horse and that we're not going to push the horse any harder than we ever should. The horse has to come first. So he's a good horseman. He's a good caretaker. He's not overly aggressive. And his, the horses that we have with him look beautiful. He understands it. So we're in line. At the same time, I, I don't tell Richie what to do. You know, I, you, you, just, you don't tell the trainers what to do. They train the horse. I just want to know that I have some kind of ability to communicate with them, and they'll take the telephone call and just let me know what's going on. But that, that's a long way of saying I like Richie a lot. He and I do well.
0: Now, Jim, I've been told that straight-up G is going to be uh, uh, using Lasix for the first time on Sunday. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. That okay. is correct. Okay.
0: And as far as the the field, eight horses uh, will be in the total, uh, will be in the race. Seven, uh, you're going to be going up against. And uh, I did like the fact that Steve S. Mewson, who is one of the best in the business, he's got a couple that he's going to be training and and bringing in for the race. So it sounds like the competition's going to be good. You got a couple of local horses that have already raced here before. I think there's four shippers coming in. So uh, the Mind That Bird Derby sounds like it's going to be a fun, fun race.
2: Hey, my man, I think the reason you like Asmussen coming in is because you don't have to run against him. Just kidding. Um, no, you're right. I, I, I've, I've dealt. I had a horse once with Steve. He is a great trainer. He's a Hall of Fame trainer, and I'm looking at it right now. You've got you've got your local horses that are really good horses. You've got the two Asmussen shippers that are really good horses. I really think that the one, we may be the morning line favorite, but I'm just going to be straight. I think that the one to beat may be, The seven, American Experiment. That's a really nice horse. And then there's one horse coming from Cali. This is a nice field, man. This is a tough, tough race. I can make an argument for almost anybody in this race. So we have to deal with them, but I'm hoping that... Our guy's ready to roll, fire's a big one, and they have to deal with us, too. If you do well,
0: we'll see you back next month for the Sunland Derby. And I've already been told Baffert's got like 100 horses he's getting ready to uh, consider for this race. So that's always going to be a lot of fun. And then after that, it's uh, it's Churchill and the Kentucky Derby. So I love it. A big step for you, obviously, in the team this weekend. But uh, what an opportunity, especially if uh, Straight Up G uh, does what he was able to do uh, in some of the races late last year.
2: You understand. You understand. I don't know that he... I don't know. This is why we're coming. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you're exactly right. You know, if you... Whoever wins this race, and if they win it a certain way, you're right. There is a big, big pop not far down the road on that same track. And, of course, we got the big ones here in California, too. You know, so I'm going to go one at a time. I I need... He needs to prove to us and everybody else that he's that kind of quality. I would just say this really quickly. End of the day, even if he's not We bred a steak winner from a dam that never ran. It's all gravy, man. It is an absolute blast even to be a part of these conversations and these races. So I'm just going to enjoy it and take it for what it is. It's great.
0: Enjoy the track. Enjoy your trip to town. And if things go well for you, come back and uh, join me a month from now before the big Sunland Derby.
2: Let me tell you something, my man. If things go well, you're a good luck charm, and you're going to be the first guy that I look for.
0: Fair enough. Jim, thanks for calling in. We'll talk to you soon. Have fun Sunday. You got it. You got it, man. Have a great day. You too. Jim Rome giving us a little time here to start things off on a Friday afternoon. I'll tell you what, straight up G sounds like a horse that's going to be a lot of fun to watch on Sunday, and uh, the way Jim described that horse, uh, I mean, how do you not root for him? Especially the story behind uh, just the horse uh, you know, himself and and really all what what it's led up to for this point right now. That's 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 a lot of fun.
1: Most definitely, Steve. And, you know, I, I just am so fascinated now about baby horses. I'm still stuck <laughs> on that right there. I want to I see a baby horse for the first time.
0: I'm telling you, stick around, Jim, enough. You'll probably get a good uh, good dose of that. We'll come back with more 16 Pass. Charlie's back with traffic here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Here on Sports Talk as we continue. Uh, thanks to Jim Rome for calling in to start us off today, and uh, um, I really want to thank Dustin Dix. Dustin uh, from Sullivan Park Racetrack and Casino helped pull that off and uh, ultimately got us in touch with the director of racing at Del Mar, who then relayed the message to Jim Rome, and uh, I'm not going to lie to you, folks. We worked on this starting at almost 3 o'clock today. So, we pulled this off in an hour, and... I'm going to tell you something, because I didn't even know if Jim was coming into town for this, and I, I was given confirmation today from Dustin that he would be coming in town on Sunday, and then I said, well, you know what? You think we can get him on? And sure enough, um, we we worked on this, and we got this got done in 10 minutes. That's all it took, was contacting the director of racing for Del Mar, who then reached out to Jim, and Jim was in, and we put it together that quickly, and- I mean, I'll tell you right now, there are a lot of high profile celebrity horse owners who want nothing to do with coming on and talking about their racehorses and where they're going. Okay. And that's just a fact. And he jumped right in. And at the start of the interview, you could just see, you could hear in his voice how much he enjoys it. And how much this really means to him when he talks about just uh, the sport of horse racing. But more than anything, owning a stable with horses and really the love of the animal itself that goes into what he does.
1: Yeah, Steve, you could just hear his passion that he has for horse racing. And by the way, uh, credit to Jim for coming on the show and talking about uh, his horse ahead of the Sunland Park uh, race, you know, of of everything going on this weekend. Steve, this is a huge event, and uh, I think that's just so cool. You could just hear how passionate he was about his horse and how much he really loves this sport. And, yeah, it was really cool that we got this done uh, within an hour. That's awesome.
0: And I'll tell you something else um Albuquerque being an original affiliate means a lot to him. You could hear just you know how important that was when he first started his uh, show in the 90s and and how they jumped on board.
1: Yeah, I remember, you know, I mean not in the 90s, but I remember early 2000s uh, fir- like my first memories of listening to sports radio is my dad taking me in his car and listening to Jim Rome, listening to all the different shows. So, yeah, this is a, it's kind of full circle just hearing him here on the radio with us.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely so all right good start want to keep it moving eight eight zero five that is our telephone number if you want to watch uh, straight up G in action I got a couple of uh, the horses races up on the story right now at 600 SPano so if you want to check that out and and really see what uh, you know what uh, Rome's horses have done it's up on the website right now
1: good stuff, Steve. Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to check that out myself. We also have
0: some soccer stuff by Joe Rod, so a lot of good stuff on our website. Absolutely, absolutely. 880-5763. That is our telephone number as we get going here on the Friday edition of Sports Talk. By the way, since uh, we need to update everybody on a daily basis of what's going on with baseball, the answer is um, not much yet, but... Rob Manfred is at the meetings today. First time this week he's attended meetings between the owners and the players association. And I don't believe yet that there has been any kind of an update, but you know what? Negotiations we'll end up seeing. Apparently what we've heard was about an hour ago, according to Jesse Rogers from ESPN, who's been following this. He said that the negotiating team from the league just headed back in to talk with the players. Both sides have been inside for about four hours so far, and then they just separated again. So, you know, we'll see what kind of progress is made when it's all said and done. But four hours today, that's a a good They realize it. They want to save the season, start it off right, and hopefully they'll be able to get things done through the weekend.
1: Should we look at this with frustration, knowing that this is the first time Rob Manfred has has joined uh, labor negotiations with players today? Is that is that a bad thing, Steve? Should we be upset with Rob Manfred for this?
0: Uh, I don't know. I wish he would have. I wish he would have been there more during the week, and I just showed up on a Friday. That would have, you know, been active, right? Uh, apparently, Manfred spent twenty five minutes on the players' side. We don't know who he met with and then walked back towards the owner's side. So I guess Manfred's going and kind of seeing both ends of this as they work on the negotiations.
1: Okay, I see what you're saying. So, yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, we're, we're talking about a work stoppage, first time since 1995 for baseball. Uh, I, you could he, you could see how they're working pretty hard to try to get this done. You just don't know how, how much both sides are trying to meet in the middle right now. I know the players seem to be uh, bending in different ways on their side and being willing to uh, go through solutions, but I'm not sure if it, you could say the same about the owners right now.
0: Guess we'll find out, right? Exactly. Guess we'll find out. Yeah. So.
1: Oh,
3: well,
0: only time will tell, man. Only time will tell. 8805763, that is our telephone number as we get going here um at 26 past the hour. I hope we actually make enough progress to where they can get an agreement to at least the framework in place by Monday, which is the last day anyway. So, that's uh that's the goal when it's all said and done. Otherwise, if there is no labor deal by Monday, Major League Baseball has said there will be a shortened season. So that those are the ramifications. And by the way, this is also very important. Let me stress this because I can't stress this enough. If baseball doesn't get an agreement in place and the season's delayed, that does not mean the AAA season will be delayed. The AAA season will start on time because AAA baseball is not locked out right now. And that's an extremely important topic to mention to all El Paso Chihuahuas fans listening to this show, okay? AAA baseball is not subject to a lockout, just Major League Baseball. In fact, there are plenty of players that will be on the Chihuahuas roster that have already reported to Peoria and right now are working out behind closed doors at the Padres Spring Training Facility. So this is strictly a Major League Baseball issue, not major and minor leagues. So for those of you wondering, April 12th is the start of the El Paso Chihuahuas home season, and that date is not in jeopardy no matter what happens with the Major League Baseball season.
1: That's great news for El Paso Chihuahuas fans, for AAA baseball fans right now. So those are great things right there. Now, uh, you know, for for all the baseball fans out there who are really trying, really hoping that uh, Major League Baseball reaches some sort of an agreement on both sides and we get to start the season right on time. There's a lot to peel back on this one. I mean, you you just mentioned uh, that deadline coming up on Monday. Now, here's the big thing that I'm looking at, Steve. Games would not be made up if that if the right. agreement's not going to be in place. Uh, the players would not be paid a full season salary and on top of all this uh, Jesse Rogers who you just referenced right now he was talking about how the union is likely to pull expanded playoffs off the tables if uh, players aren't paid a full season salary you understand why right yeah I mean the dominoes would be would go right there but then they would the the players would be wanting hey they want their um, I guess their prorated or their their full salaries right there and then the owners say no and, and why would you agree to more playoffs more playing time if you're not being paid the full salary
0: no as that, okay. Expanded playoffs equals about an extra hundred million dollars of revenue for the owners every year. Yeah, so, if you're the players, why would you possibly give in and give the owners more money if you're getting shafted on your current salaries? I wouldn't say I wouldn't give them the satisfaction of that. Forget that. Yeah, it's a lot more money the owners are going to make in sure that it case. Is. Yeah. Sure it is. So, anyway, there's a ton on the table. Minimum salaries on the table. Um, You know, you're talking also about Super 2s. You're talking about amount of years you should play before you're subject to free agency. Uh, You're talking about draft pick compensation. You're talking about not allowing teams to tank. And you could essentially... Uh, reward smaller market clubs with more draft picks if they perform well rather than do poorly. There's a lot in this negotiation. This is not simply that the owners want this, the players want this. It is complex. It is deep. And anybody who's really taken the time to study and read the, the Ken Rosenthal articles and the passing articles and see what's out there, There's a lot going on. This is a very, very complex, and we're talking five years. Now, I'm hoping it's a 10-year CBA, but probably it's going to be a five-year CBA. So if that's the case, you got to make sure you get this right because you don't want to be back doing this again five years from now.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go 10 years, Steve, then you're talking about all those complications coming up maybe by year six and seven. So, yeah, I I could see a five-year deal instead of 10.
0: All right, we'll come back. Phone calls, tweets, 880-5763. That's our telephone number. Lines available if you want to get in. Love to hear from you as we send it over right now to Adrian Broadus in this bottom-of-the-hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. As we keep things going, 880-5763, our telephone number to get right on in and through to the program. Uh, This also happened yesterday, and I think it's important that we bring this up for a lot of uh, obvious local reasons. Aaron Jones restructured his contract yesterday, okay? And essentially what he did was give the Green Bay Packers 3 million dollars of extra salary space. Okay? Now they're so far over the cap that you I mean there's going to have to be a lot more than Aaron Jones renegotiating his deal to ultimately help the Packers keep Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, but it's a start. And what he did was he took his roster bonus and he converted it to a signing bonus, which takes the heat off the cap. And essentially, I think he's played for like a million bucks this year. I think that's like his, his salary He's a million dollars. But, um, what it did do is take next year's cap hit. And now it's up to like 20 million, um, for 2023. So We thought when Showtime signed his four-year deal with Green Bay last year that after two years, Green Bay would essentially um, get out of the contract and Aaron would become a free agent again. After yesterday's decision, it's almost a guarantee that that's going to happen because there is no way that the Green Bay Packers – are going to take a $20 million hit on a guy that might not even be their starting running back in a year because of what A.J. Dillon's doing. So you think about it, it's a timeshare right now. Who knows how much action Dillon is going to see in 2022, but this is more than likely Aaron's final season coming up in Green Bay. I give him a lot of credit for ultimately – Um, signing uh, or renegotiating, I should say, to try to give his club as much leverage as possible in terms of uh, trying to uh, keep the core together.
1: Yeah, the the what they're going through right now, the Green Bay Packers is uh a, a big salary cap dilemma right now, Steve. Uh they have to pay, well, they got to restructure or do whatever they can to try to keep Aaron Rodgers in their eyes. Uh they're looking at Devontae Adams who also is due for an extension. They can either uh what from what I was reading, they can either franchise tag him or, you know, look to move on from him. It's a kind of a weird situation right there. But the biggest thing that the Green Bay Packers will be doing is simple restructures and max restructures using the biggest contracts they have on their on their you know payroll right now. Yeah. The biggest thing right here, you have to assume players have to be on board with this. And if they're not on board, if this gets ugly with some players, then I, I don't know how Green Bay is going to go out in
0: free agency and try to sign players to just fill their roster. I mean, if you realize the, they, they're going to lose – if they lose Rodgers and they lose Adams, they could also lose Lazard, Valdez-Scantling, Cobb, and suddenly – they have nothing left and what that tells me is that if you're rolling out Jordan Love and you're in a full rebuild i feel bad for aaron and aj because they're going to run those two into the ground next season as they try to develop a quarterback and that is a really really tough predicament so for the sake of 33 i really hope for every packers fans case for this matter that you know aaron uh, aaron rodgers doesn't end up in Denver, which is the possibility. Now, on the flip side, the Broncos could definitely trade a lot of receivers to help the Packers out because they have receiving depth. We know that, but you know, it's still, that would be, that would signal a full rebuild, and that's not what you want since you've gotten to three straight NFC championship games. No, that's, a, exactly, you don't want that at all, but my big question is... Actually, two straight, I shouldn't say that, they didn't go to the championship last year, they went to the, they were in the divisional playoff, but two years before were the back-to-back. NFC championships, exactly. Yeah, and, exactly.
1: They, lo- and they lost those two, but yes. yeah, my my question is, with your, If you're Green Bay, do you even have a conversation or a couple conversations about moving on from Aaron Rodgers just because of all this salary cap hell? Or do you move mountains to try to keep him, the two-time uh, reigning M- NFL MVP of the league? Do you, tr- do you do everything you can to try to keep him, or do you explore those trading options, and do you see what kind of quarterback you can get in return?
0: You do everything you can to try to keep him, but because you're in salary cap hell, I don't know how they make it work. That's the problem right now. Because remember, it's not just about re-signing Aaron Rodgers. they got to sign Devontae Adams. Now, they franchise him, um, which could be done. I still don't know how that's going to help their cap situation out because that money would still count against the cap, and they don't have the money to to do that. So, um, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. I I really don't. And that's why, to me, I'm sure Green Bay would love to keep Aaron Rodgers, but based on... David Bakhtiari and, and, and uh, some of the other players that they've signed to big contracts, they might not be able to do it.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good point on Bakhtiari. Those hefty contracts that the Packers have on their payroll, they might have to reevaluate those. And, you know, it's sad to say, but some of those guys that they've developed great relationships with, they might just have to end up cutting them in, in this uh, free agency period. Now, you have to do it before June 1st. That's the cutoff po- point mm-hmm. where some of these uh, player salaries are prorated, from what I was reading. But, yeah, a lo- you look at that list of Packers players who are free agents this upcoming year, a lot of players on. On offense there are some players on defense but uh yeah you're talking
0: about a lot of your skill players that the packers could be potentially losing your core your nucleus everybody i mean it's crazy if you gave if i gave you the list it'd blow your mind so all right 39 past the hour stephanie fai is standing by kvia news we'll come back with plenty more 20 minutes from now justin garrett's gonna join us minor fans one of the All-time great receivers, Class X. Hey, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with Justin because he's getting ready for uh, Pro Day, which will be coming up uh, in about a week and a half. So we'll talk to Justin about everything uh, UTEP-wise and his career and future as well. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. 47 past the hour. Sports Talk continues. Miners tomorrow with a big one against UAB. A game they've got to have because ultimately... They took two out of three on the road. Keontae Kennedy probably not ready yet, as Adrian talked about. Although, am I wrong here? Well, Steve, yesterday I said no.
1: Earlier this week I was saying no. Then I hear the comments from Keontae Kennedy yesterday after practice, the ones that I missed yesterday because practice ran a little long. Looks like he might have a chance to play. I don't know how much. Really? But it looks like he might be playing. This is interesting. What did he say? He said he feels fine. He said the only thing he needs to work on is conditioning right now. That's the biggest thing with him. Uh, but he says he's uh, he's ready to go. He was ma- he was available to media members after it. Uh, yeah, it, it looks. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it, but I would say that there's a chance. Definitely that that makes it interesting. Also, Keontae Kennedy hints at his possible return by a recent tweet that he sent out uh, just a, just a couple minutes ago. Oh, really? Yep, that's right. He uh, said he's he's inviting UTEP fans to get out there. They, he wants people there to watch uh
0: his return to the court ah let me read the uh let me read the tweet from six minutes ago so who's coming to the game tomorrow night he's got the eye emojis he's got like a it almost looks like a snarky emoji after that a little smirk yep with hashtag picks up hashtag minor nation
1: all right I could see it, man. I, I I could see him being so eager to come back, despite not necessarily being fully available in uh, five-on-five contact uh, drills uh, the, earlier this week in practice. Maybe that was more of a uh, like a showing thing, you know, for from UTEP, kind of making
0: this a mystery on whether or not he'll play. Could be. Could very well be. Great story. Great preview from Adrian up on the website right now. This also just came in. According to Adam Schefter, Sean McVay will be back next year saying he wants to run it back for the Rams. So any rumors of McVay leaving for the broadcast booth, those are premature at best because he will be back as head coach of the Rams where he should be right now.
1: Yeah, he's a young guy. He's uh, why are we trying to retire him already and and have him uh, with this uh, TV career already? I mean, uh, let him co- coach out this uh, this stint with the Rams. They traded all their picks for the future, so the Rams are selling out for the future so they can win right now. I'm I'm super happy about this news that that comes today. I, I'm glad that this uh, off, this news isn't dra- uh, dragged into the offseason even more, Steve. And now you have some uh, you, you have it, it solidified. Re- um, Sean McVay j- uh, rejoining the Rams for another season trying to run it back and try to
0: go back to the Super Bowl. Should be. That's exactly what should have happened all along. It really should. So, I'm happy to hear it. And now, the other rumor, which I love, is will Joe Buck go with Troy Aikman to ESPN? That's a fascinating one.
1: Yeah because he calls World Series games with Fox. It's not just football, it's baseball too with Joe Buck and everything he's done with that that and you know it's so interesting because whenever you hear the guys from Fox talk about their organization, they speak so highly of Fox and the and the people high up there but ESPN has not had the greatest reputation to say it kindly uh, when it comes to Monday Night Football broadcasts and broadcasters, Steve, in recent years. So maybe uh, ESPN is putting all that they can in terms of their resources
0: to try to get the best of the best. I know it. I know it. Nine in front of five right now as sports talk continues if you want to uh, weigh in on the broadcast rumors. And by the way, if Aikman and Buck go together to ESPN, who takes over on fox as the national team i mean that's another great question it really is in fact i'll say it because i wish they would do it i wish they would just give kenny albert the uh, the national game because i think kenny would do a terrific job and uh, i hope that you know he gets a shot at it because kenny always gets the the regional games for fox and and i think he just he deserves better than that
1: that's a great one. That's a great one to possibly replace. Um, even look at just the color commentator. What would they do uh, at that spot right there? Do they look at Greg Olson, who I, I think is a rising star? I mean, it's not really a rising star, but he's really uh, succeeded in his young uh, TV career so far. He really knows the game. My question is: We've heard a lot of rumors on the Fox side of things, Steve. We also know that Al Michaels uh, and his NBC contract has run out. So I'm curious what they're going to be doing. What Al Michaels is Sides to do if Fox loses both Aikman and Buck, do they really go after Al Michaels uh, in addition? Or you know, I like the Kenny Albers idea, but what about Michaels there?
0: I hear Michaels going Amazon.
1: Yeah, I hear that one too. I hear it's very very close. I hear uh, from the New York Post article that I was referencing yesterday, they called it on the one yard line for the Amazon. But you, you're you're really putting Al, Al Michaels on Thursday nights. That's um, tough.
0: It is tough. It's very difficult. So, I mean. Look, you think about what Fox has, right? And Fox, here are the Fox teams right now. They've got Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson, Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma. Love Vilma. Yep. And, and you know, I'm a huge Albert fan. Chris Myers and Moose Johnson and Gus Johnson and Akeem Talib. That is the sneaky one right there, Steve. Have you ever heard one from them? They are
1: so energetic. Yep. I love it. I love when Akeem Talib is screaming in my TV.
0: You also have um, Adam Amin and Mark Schleyreth and Kevin Kugler and Mark Sanchez. Those, that's the Fox, uh, those are the Fox teams this year behind Buck and Aikman. So, I mean, it's possible that Burkhardt and Olsen, that's been the number 2 team all year. So, I could see that.
1: I can see that too. Burkhart's a great guy. I I like his broadcasts as well. I really like Olson. He he's a great analyst. Um, one of the sneaky guys that you mentioned right there, Steve. I like Eamon. Uh, uh, he's a really good he's also the Bulls uh co- color commentator. Uh, excuse me, he's their actual play by play commentator on on a daily uh, basis.
0: Yeah, I know it. I mean, again, it's to me, it's it, this whole thing is pretty fascinating. You have to see how this goes but you know we could be talking about a whole uh, announcer merry-go-round when it's all said and done.
1: Yeah, TV NFL free agency going on right now. It's crazy.
0: Kevin Harlan is with CBS. You wonder if he would try to bolt from CBS and and go over to Fox.
1: Hey, he's deserving, man. Harlan's one of the best in the best uh, in the business.
0: For but he sure. does radio just like Ian Eagle. They both they both double up for Westwood One.
1: Sure, and he does uh, multiple sports as well for CBS. And
0: and doesn't he also still does NBA on uh, TNT? Right? Yeah, and, and doesn't he also do even college basketball at times? Yeah, the man never stops working. Never stops working. So, yeah, 100% right. By the way, Harlan was the one who called. Remember when UTEP played in 2010 and hosted the CUSA championship game on uh, the first season for Tim Floyd when they blew that 12-point lead with six Memphis? minutes left to go to Memphis? Yes. Harlan was on the call. Wow, you're joking. Oh, I no. didn't know this. I didn't Harlan know this. was on the call along with Reggie Miller. No way. Oh, wait, yes. Wait, here? Oh, yes. What? Yes. That is so... Uh, I It was did not a CBS
1: game. I got I to gotta check this out.
0: It's on YouTube. You can watch it. Yes. All right. We'll come back. Hour two. Justin Garrett's going to drop by the Lubingo Studios. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Along with Adrian Bratis, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Very happy to welcome Justin Garrett back to our Lubingo Studios. As uh, the minor uh, wide receiver, getting ready for his pro day a week from Wednesday, and he joins us now uh, for our first chat uh, since last football season. Great to see you again, and uh, thanks for making time and uh, joining us
3: on the show today. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Steve and Adrian, I appreciate you guys inviting me. Uh, always happy to be here, and bless, man. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being here with us. Um, Tell me what it's been like for you uh, since the bowl game and and what you've been doing uh, around El Paso as you've been getting ready for, obviously, Pro Day and your sights
3: set on the NFL Draft. Since the season, I've been working out constantly uh, two times a day. I've been training here in El Paso at Top View Fitness with Rob and Dom. Uh, They put together a great plan for me and just... A a great program for me to really excel and have a great pro day. I've been emphasizing on just my speed and stuff like that and just cutting down in weight and just really focusing on the pro day and just the drills and just really running fast and getting better.
0: Now, there are a lot of places these days where you can work and and get yourself up to speed and ready to go, but uh, Top G Fitness is located near the airport um, did you know about it these last couple of years, or did you really first uh, kind of uh, you know discover it uh, when you were going through your senior season?
3: No, I actually knew about the gym as my uh, UTEP career had went by, but just with the UTEP schedule and constantly working out at school, you don't really have that much time or that much energy to go somewhere else and work out as often as I do at Top View. So, not. The gym has always been there, and I always knew about it. But once uh, I was pretty much kicked out of UTEP and they <laughs> cut me loose, then I, I had to find somewhere else to go train and work out.
1: That's my question, Justin. Do they allow you to go back to the LKD and, and, and train there once you've graduated, or is it one of those kind of mutual things like, hey, when, once you're graduated, once you're a senior, once you're gone, uh, you know, you,
3: you're on to other things? No, UTEP actually – offered and they're more than happy to have me there and to train there and and they would do a, a phenomenal job with me staying at the LKD and I'm more than welcome to go there today on a daily basis but I just felt with them in the spring and they have an upcoming season themselves and their job is to focus on the team and put all their energy towards there so where I'm at now is someone there constantly there and Everything that I'm doing is being watched and being critiqued and stuff like that. So I just didn't want to be a hassle on the UTEP staff. So I just allowed them to move forward and continue to chase the dream, man. I'll say
0: this too, um, if you worked out at LKD, you'd be by yourself and you'd be on your own because chances are you can't just bring an outsider in with you to oversee all your workouts and their strength team is dealing with the current players. So that would be difficult to prepare on your own unless you knew exactly what you needed to do. Uh, It's much better, I'm sure, when you get somebody to... Build you a specific plan for exactly what you want, and someone that's able to supervise you throughout the whole process, so you know you're being taken care of exactly the way you need to to try to play on Sundays.
3: Yes, exactly, a hundred percent. And even at Top View, it' their most important thing that I actually do is I I have great recovery and great stretching and and great stuff like that. Just also taking care of my body while I'm working out so so much. And at UTEP, I'm I'm pretty sure the same thing would have been available to me. It's just, yeah, as you said, it's just to be a little bit different. And, yep. and their true job isn't really to help me. It's to help the upcoming team. So I'm pretty sure the focus aspect of it would be a little bit different. But I actually never talked to them about it. So, yeah, I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> now let's talk about your body after the season because, uh, you know, you go through a lot uh, in preparation for games and then all the games itself. How would you describe physically your spot when the year was over after the game against Fresno State? Were you in good physical shape? Did you need a couple of weeks off just to heal your body and get ready for the next step? Tell me a little bit about that. I will say
3: that throughout my college career, going to a bowl game and continuing to practice after the regular season and to play that extra game, it takes a toll on your body. And just, I would say, after the Fresno game, I was a little banged up and just. You know, that's that's a lot of time of football. It was two extra weeks of practice and then we had an extra game as well. And to be quite honest, Fresno State was a pretty physical team. So after the season, I just kind of took a couple days off just to give my body some time. And then after that, I hit the ground running and just continued to train and to work out. By the way, that was a physical
0: game. It was a fun game, too. And, and we, we've had a couple of your former players and teammates on the show with us uh, in the last week talking about it. I mean, you probably will look back at that game and, and, and say, man, there were so many opportunities that you could have put that game away. But, hey, it was one of those games that, much like your season, in there till the end, fighting till the very end. And uh, you obviously showed everybody that was at the football game that you guys belong with the Fresno State to the Mountain West.
3: 100 percent I mean we proved to the whole country that we're one of uh, the best teams in the country as well I mean Fresno State was what a nine-win team going into the game and um, against us we were toe-to-toe with them and like you said we had many opportunities to put the game away just came with experience and us just being in different situations so I mean I, I would say we we're toe-to-toe with anybody and just get giving us two weeks to prepare I mean we we're more than ready to play that game we we knew everything to expect. We just didn't execute at times when we actually needed to, and that was the difference between us winning and losing that game. But, uh, well, hats off to us, man. We played a phenomenal game, and we put ourselves in a great position to win.
1: J.G., you're one of the leaders, and a lot of the younger guys, when they join our show, they always reference your leadership on this show with us. What was the emotion What was the emotion like in the locker room after the game, just kind of knowing that it's, it's over, the college career is over?
3: Uh, After a game, it was actually very emotional. I mean, uh, just being quite honest, I put my heart and my soul into the the UTEP program and to the team and gave gave everything I had day in and day out and just always strive to be better and to make everybody else around me better and to make our team better and to really do something great for our program and just put ourselves back in a map, to put ourselves back on the map and just build that tradition of winning. And the leadership aspect was just teaching and showing people this is what it takes and this is how you guys are going to excel and get even get past this. Like, just to let them know, I mean, the feeling of it being over really does suck. And, I mean, the fact that we didn't win the game actually hurt even more. So it was just the aspect of that. And just you always want to set a good example. And just knowing that I was that leader, I want to, uh, to set forth a good example and to let guys know and to put them in a position to win. Do you feel right now
0: that this team is in the best spot it's been in since you arrived
3: and that things are just going to continue to get better and better over the next few years? 100%. I'm expecting nothing less from that team, man. They're going to go to a bowl game. They're going to go to a conference championship. They're going to do great things. I mean, they're more than ready, and they have guys that's ready to step up. It's just ultimately up to them, and I mean – after my pro day and after everything that I get done handling myself, I'm going to be out there to ensure at the practice that they're doing what it takes because now they know what it takes to go to a bowl game. They know what it takes to start 6-1, and one, so it, it won't be a shot. It's it's going to be more of an expected thing. Now they're a program that's expected to win. I mean, they have to take step forward. So not only do they have to win, just – the seven games to go to a bowl game. Let, let's go out and win that conference. And, and they're more than ready to do that. And I'm excited to see them grow, man, for sure. Justin Garrett with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Now,
0: I'm thinking about what happens the week after the bowl game, okay? You turn pro. We find out that Jacob Cowing is – going to be going into the portal, and then suddenly Tyron Smith goes into the portal. And and the top three receivers, it, it's like you go from three to zero within uh, days. It was crazy. And then obviously, Smith comes back out and is back with the team, which I think is important. Uh, we all know uh, Jacob's situation with his family. and He ends up and uh, in, uh, in Tucson at the University of Arizona. And, and you're going pro. And it just goes to show you, as great as this receiving crew has been the last couple seasons, it was uh, kind of scary for minor fans, realizing that Top three guys could all be gone next year.
3: 100%. I mean, I'm pretty sure it is scary to see all that on social media and everything. And just because we were the most productive three. But if you really look at the depth of the receiver in core, I mean, me, myself, and everybody that knows the team truly, I mean, Jeremiah Ballard, Justin Clark, Josh Farr, I mean, Ray Flores, Lucas Flores, it's it's a lot of guys in that room that unfortunately just didn't play because the people ahead of them were producing. But if you look back to that 2019 year, I mean, you would have thought the same thing. But once me and Jacob actually got in and played, then there it goes. There goes the production right there. It just shot up. So I really I feel like the receiving core, even if – Every all three of us would have left, they still would have been okay because those young guys are just sitting there and they're waiting and they're ready to play. And like I said, Jeremiah Beller and Justin Clark are, are some big names to keep your eyes out for because they're going to make some, some noise for sure.
0: And I'll tell you something else, and you bring up a great point, and that is that it wasn't as if these guys weren't playing because they weren't good enough. It's simply that – They couldn't play because the guys over them were doing incredible things. And that's the the most important thing. You had a great season. Jacob obviously had a very special year. And when you guys are making catch after catch, play after play,
3: you're not going to get the next uh, two or three on the depth chart coming in and getting their opportunities. Exactly, exactly. And even even with those guys that I just named, they went out and got multiple other receivers from this signing class and and I seen a couple of those guys taping, they can all play too. And as I always mention, I mean, competitiveness is gonna make everyone better or it's gonna make you fold. And if you have guys that's all hungry to play and guys that's ready to play, then it it just makes your whole team better and it makes the room even better. So I'm like I said, I'm excited to see what those guys can do and, and I know that they're ready to play and as I said, I'm gonna help them get ready to play as much as I can.
1: We've heard a lot about Jeremiah Ballard and just want to emphasize his name a little bit more. What makes him so special and why is he the next guy to watch out for?
3: What makes Jeremiah so special is from throughout my time at UTEP, we've never had a receiver as, as tall as Jeremiah and that can run and that can make the plays. And him being young, that's the only reason he didn't play. Jeremiah cracked actually the starting lineup, but they decided to redshirt because it was no point of, to use his entire year if he wasn't going to get in that much, but he, he's a phenomenal young guy. I mean, he's had great character, great work ethic, great hands, size, speed. I mean, he has everything that you will want in a young receiver and, and more so he has the desire and the determination to be good. So that, that's really what makes him the difference maker. And he's only coming back. He's going to be a red shirt freshman. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really tough not to include his man. Sounds like sky's the limit for him. Oh, 100%. And, I mean, he, he said it and watched and he learned and week in and week out. He was always asking questions, always around. He stayed locked in when he redshirted. He went against the one defense every single day in practice, so he got good looks. I mean – He's seen the best of the best already. I mean, he went against Josh Cowell. He went against Walt Neal. I mean, he's going to go against guys next year that yeah. there ain't any better than anybody he's seen in practice already. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more than ready to see
0: him. If you next. want to get into uh, the show and talk to a uh, former minor receiver, Justin Garrett, 880 That's our telephone number. You can also tweet your questions to us on Twitter at 600 ESPN El Paso. First, though, let's go to Charlie One. He's standing by with this traffic update as we continue here on Sports Talk. 20 past the hour as we continue right now with uh, JG, Justin Garrett with us uh, here in our Lubingo studios. If you want in on the show, eight eight zero five is our telephone number to get into the program. So you're working out now and uh, at Top View Fitness and you're getting yourself ready to go. Do you have a quarterback that's been throwing to you during the last uh, month or two as you're working out? Or will you just rely on one uh, when it comes to pro day?
3: Yeah, I actually have Gordon, Gavin Hardison and Isaiah Bravo they're going to be throwing the pro day so yeah, those are the guys I've been with Well, that's good. We've
0: well, been with them for the last couple of years anyway, so you've got a great rapport with them and you know that when they're throwing footballs your way, uh, you, you know, you're 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 in pretty
3: good hands. Exactly. So, yeah, no no new faces or anything like that. Just familiar guys that I've been throwing with day to day for years. So, no pressure there, so I mean. it's all right. <laughs> What
1: is it like uh, getting a chance to speak to scouts or coaches or, you know, any, anybody on the outside who can help you take, to, take it to the next level, JG?
3: It's just great to talk to those guys because you get a different perspective of the game and you just get a realistic op- opinion about yourself and your game and just how, how real it is for you to actually make it to the next level.
1: J.G., going off this as well, uh, talking about the specifics with uh, these scouts, what do they tell you about maybe some strengths, some weaknesses that you have, things that you need to improve on before getting into the league?
3: Everyone that's really have I had the opportunity to talk to have just been talking to me like uh, things I need to improve on is just my speed. And guys, they just want to put a time to me because uh, nobody knows how fast or what it seems like on film but as far as the good things they always talk about my hands and just my consistency and just being a reliable target for quarterbacks and just being in the right place and understanding defenses and stuff of that nature but and also they always mention my special teams play and being on special teams which is crucial to make an NFL roster so I think that's what kind of sets me apart from other guys so yeah those are the main things that I hear on a day-to-day basis.
0: All right. Now I'm looking at one of these websites here, NFLDraftBuzz.com. It's got you measured as a four-five-two forty. Is that pretty
3: accurate for the most part? Uh, yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. I mean, yes, sir. I, I think that's a good number, but uh, I'm hoping to break that ceiling to run faster if I have uh, willing, God, willingly.
0: Yeah, I would love to know that. I mean, as you've been training now for the last couple of months, could you see yourself potentially running a four-four forty?
3: Yes, I I potentially could. I think the sky's the limit for myself if I just trust the technique and do what I'm taught and to do everything right and just trust the process of what I've been doing for the last three months of my life, then of course I should, yes. (laughs) Now,
0: you mentioned something really interesting, and that is your special teams play. And ultimately, you know, sometimes you don't want to take your, your, your starting receiver and, and have him, you know, return punts or kickoffs. But the fact is, you were very, um, you know, consistent as a, uh, as a return specialist in addition to being a receiver, and that does help your NFL stock as somebody's looking at you as a future prospect.
3: A hundred percent. And not only just returning, but also covering the punts and covering the kickoff as well. Because guys don't do that, especially in college. So I would say that's what set me apart. And and it it just dated back to just me being tough as a child and just just willing to do whatever it takes for the team. And just it's only one play. I mean, it's it's not going to tire me out. I don't think I'm going to get hurt. I I don't play the game that way. I, I play every play like it's my last. So yeah just playing special teams it goes deeper than just doing it because you have to It's because you're doing it because you're tough and because you want to and and you know you're giving your team the best chance to win
1: what's it like knowing that a scout is at your practice watching you
3: uh you can't really think about it Uh, you just have to take it like it's a normal day and do everything as as you would on a regular day basis so you just really just have to lock it out and just really focus on your craft and, yeah. and practice and focus on the practice and get better each and every rep.
0: Justin Garrett with us here on sports talk as we continue. Have you ever read your scouting report before? <laughs> nah, I haven't. you want to hear what they say about you? Yeah, sure. Right, we- I'm going to do the positives, right? These are positives. All right here we go. Strengths strong runner with the ball with enough agility to make defenders miss in the open field. Agree with that?
3: Yeah, I agree with that. All right. How about this?
0: Um, does not possess top breakaway speed, though he's rarely caught from behind. Agree? Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been caught from behind. I don't yeah. think so either. All right. uh, <laughs> let's do the next one. Has a knack for getting open and is a quarterback's best friend. Passers just need to toss the ball in his area and he'll come down
3: with it. 100%.
1: Advanced analytics really like your, your hands. So PFF <laughs> really likes likes what you're able to do in catching the ball.
3: Yeah, for sure. I, I would yeah. say that's one, definitely one of my strengths is my hands. Yeah. Can
1: you uh, can you count how many drops you've had on one hand?
3: Uh, yeah, for sure. Count how many drops I've had on one hand. In a game? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I remember uh, for sure Southern Miss I had uh, dropped the ball. I think it was like uh, somebody had jumped in front of the ball and they had just like disappeared and then reappeared, but it happened like in a split second. And yeah. Then, and I kind of turned my head before I actually caught it, and that's the reason I dropped it. But that's the one that vividly like stands out to me and hunts me because I knew it was more to get after the catch. But That's yeah. one
0: play. One yeah. play all season. So, yeah.
3: That's pretty impressive when you start to think about it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay,
0: so here we go with more strengths. Um, let's see here. Generally reliable receiver capable of making difficult catches in traffic over the middle – or one-on-one down the sideline.
3: For sure. Yep.
0: Very soft, natural hands to cleanly catch away from his frame. Concentration is excellent. Has the lateral agility and strength to get into and out of routes smoothly.
3: Yeah, that's one thing I, I take pride in is my route running, for sure. Hey, so far you're getting a lot of, a lot of strengths here. They're, they're pretty accurate on this uh, scouting report, right? <laughs> All
0: right, let's keep going. Um, often used on deep routes, getting separation down the sideline or over the middle on crossing routes by extending his arms rather than pure speed.
3: Mm. Yeah, I guess so.
0: Speed has also helped in a big way. Yeah, you do have speed. Exactly, for sure. <laughs> Last, a versatile weapon proving to be effective inside in the slot and outside on the perimeter. Makes plays at all levels of the field.
3: A hundred percent.
1: Do you uh, have a specific, like, preference or you know, slot, outside receiver? What What is that on, on your end?
3: Primarily, I like the slot better because it's uh, more so you can just beat the zones easily. And I have – I really can read defenses easy, so I'm able to get in the right spot at the right time. So – and more so on the outside, it's kind of – it's just – more to it, and just kind of—I feel like you can be taken away much easier on the outside because the safety can just key over the top. And as far as the inside, it's way easier to beat a linebacker than than outside. So yeah.
0: Now we just read seven different strengths on this website report for you. Mm-hmm. It seems like they nailed them all. They got they got everything right. Uh, was there anything they're missing from what we just talked about? What else? What else are you strong with that, that we didn't talk
3: about on this scouting report? I would say just my toughness and my special teams play and just my and leadership. Yeah, I would say leadership, leadership is a
0: big—see, they yeah. don't know it. I think scouts can't necessarily watch game film and really understand what you're like as a team player and as a leader.
3: Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's tough to see when you're just watching the game, so they really have to go back and just— Watch like T V copies and stuff like that just to see what I'm doing, not only while I'm on the field but off the field as well. It was actually a a great video I had seen. I think it was the Fresno State game. It was like after Gavin had like fumbled after the play and like he had his head down, and I picked his head up. I remember and, like, that. And like most people wouldn't have seen that if it wasn't for the video and social media. So that just kinda just showed how, how I'm as a teammate and A player and just my leadership on the team.
0: It was also a really important play for you to do because you had to keep Gavin's head in it. You couldn't let him get down because the game was still, at that point, very much up in the air. Exactly,
3: and I think, think, honestly, in my opinion, I think the call could have been overturned from watching the review, so I, I didn't think, personally, that it was over or anything of that nature, but yeah, I had to keep his head in it and let him know that that it's not over, man, and that stuff happens. Just keep your head up and let's keep pushing. Absolutely right. Bottom of the hour as we continue here with Justin Garrett. More in a moment, but first, let's go right
0: back to Adrian and this Sports Center update. Adrian. I just heard that uh, Tesco's is beating Chapin 25-15 right oh, now.
1: Man, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, two, Just real quick, Steve, two other scores to get to. Americas beat Byron Nelson 55-44. Great for the 6A yep. team in the Trailblazers. And then Andrus saw their season come to a close. Randall beat them 44-41.
0: Saw that also. Wayne Thornton's out there watching uh, playoff basketball right now, giving us some live scoring updates. Good stuff. Good stuff. So appreciate that. Justin Garrett with us here in our Lubingo Studios. All right, so we've got uh, a lot of strengths for your game, according to the scouting report uh, that we're reading on you from uh, NFLDraftBuzz.com. All right, they've got three weaknesses. Here we go. We're going to we're gonna debate these weaknesses live on the air right now, okay? Mm-hmm. And by the way, it's all constructive criticism. you gotta, you got you to gotta take, you gotta <laughs> uh, take yeah. the good with the bad. It's just of the way course, it goes. Of course. All right, so here we go. First, does not own elite speed freezes at times when trying to juke defenders in space walls off his man as a blocker, allowing them to shed and make the play outside. All right, so let's talk about this for a second. Uh, any of these any of these things actually true? Have you had any issues in terms of trying to block players? No, I, I think I'm a pretty good
3: blocker actually. I, I, I believe so.
0: Have you ever frozen trying to uh, juke players in space? Um, defenders.
3: That I, I will say has some truth to it. Okay, but it, it wasn't enough to just put that judgment
0: on me. <laughs> All right. And by the way, the elite speed thing hey, we talked about—you run a four-five forty, possibly a four-four, even better. Who knows? You run a four-three forty on your pro day, uh, you'll be hearing your name called in <laughs> April. You know that, right? Oh, yeah, one hundred
3: percent. All right, one hundred percent.
0: Here we go. Next weakness: does not always use his hands to secure deep throws allowing the ball into his pads and chest. I think that's some yeah, of the best. No, no, I don't think so. We were just yeah. talking about how great your hands are. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, do you uh, do you ever try to secure the ball with your pads and your chest?
3: Yeah, no, I, I don't, actually. So I, I don't know how that one got put on there. All right. No. <laughs> Last. Here we go. Comes off the snap high and
0: upright and doesn't get to the top speed quickly.
3: Wow. Uh. That one, I would say, uh, yeah, that one's tough, but I don't think that's true, honestly, because if, if I wasn't getting the top-end speed quickly, then how am I getting open? And how are you getting <laughs> footballs thrown at you? Yeah, exactly. So, All right.
0: Let's put it this way. They're nitpicking. That's what they're trying to do. <laughs> they got yeah. the, There's so many positives, you got to find negatives. Like You got to realize something. Even if you're talking about the best um, college receiver in the country, they're going to have weaknesses. It's not like there's yeah. no weaknesses for anybody. Exactly. So, uh, In fact, let me see here. Let me see who's... So the best prospect at receiver in the country is Drake London, okay? And he's with USC. And I'm looking at his draft profile. And you want to know something? He's got uh, four weaknesses, um, including comes off the snap high and upright and doesn't get to top speed quickly. Exactly (laughs) the same weakness as you. This is the number one receiving prospect in the country. So understand, I mean... They're trying to find they're trying to find pluses and minuses with everybody.
3: Yeah, of course, 100%. That's what they get paid to do, I mean. Yeah. Oh, nobody listen to this, can listen be to this
0: listen to the next weakness. Does not always use his hands to secure deep throws, allowing the ball into his pads and chest.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a little copy and paste there. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So so in other
0: words, this is a guy who's 6'5", 210 out of USC, the number 1 ranked receiver in the class who runs a 44840, okay? And two of your three weaknesses are his weaknesses, so that should tell you something. That yeah. tells me that they're trying to find weaknesses on you, so they just go with the general things <laughs> that they say about everybody and throw it and throw it in your game.
3: Yeah, exactly. exactly. It tells me
0: they It tells me that they, they like you a lot. You got a lot more strengths uh, than than the uh, than than the common weaknesses. So feel pretty good about yourself there. Yeah, Justin. no,
3: for sure. I mean, it's good to hear. Good to hear. But I mean. Uh... Somebody is always going to have something to say, and, I mean, it's just up to me to go out and prove them wrong and to prove myself right.
0: Fact is, if you had no weaknesses, you'd be a first-on draft pick, right? (laughs)
3: 100%. Yeah, 100%. I hear you.
0: Um meanwhile, take me back, uh, you know, you've worn the number 2 now the last two seasons in uh, in honor of Luke Loffenberg. who by the way, the jersey number will go to uh, your quarterback Gavin Hardison. I think that's a great move. We talked to Garrett, uh, to uh, Gavin, he's excited about that. Um how about for you getting a chance to know that number 2 is going to go to a QB next season?
3: Yeah, that that's amazing. I mean, and Gavin also doesn't know, but I'm pretty sure he does. Babe also played quarterback in the NFL at an elite level. So with Gavin playing quarterback, Babe is going to be able to reach out and to help Gavin uh, tremendously and just make sure that he's not only doing right off the field, but on the field as well, because weekend and week out, Babe will watch the games and will send me clips and be like, Hey, you're doing this wrong. So with just the critique of the website, Babe would critique me week in and week out, snap, snap, after snap, after snap, release, release, after release, just because he wants me to be the best football player that I can be. And, I mean, why not listen to somebody that went to the NFL and that commentates NFL games, and he sees NFL talent every single day. So he's putting, he's making me better as a player, so he's going to make Gavin better. And just talking to Gavin, it's, I'm excited, and I'm happy that he decided to wear the number and to keep the last name on the back. So says a lot about his character as well, and, I mean, it's just – great to hear him take it on and yeah man it's, it's his legacy now and just have to do it right and to do right by Luke on and off the field and to take on a bigger leadership role on the team as well.
0: First off um number one Babe Laufenberg backed up Troy Aikman. so he's got some pretty good street cred <laughs> in exactly. terms of being an NFL, an NFL quarterback okay and that's first off. Number two I never knew that he took such an interest in you because you wore that number and that he would send you, um, you know, highlights and, and ultimately work with you and and kind of dissect your game as a receiver. I find that fascinating. And I feel like, Hey, if that goes with the Jersey number, that's an added bonus for you. It really is.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it would be times after the game, I would go right back to my phone and babe already sent me a clip where I did something wrong or, The next Sunday, babe, he's probably at Dallas game and he's still texting me about what went on during the game and how I can help the team. And hey, Justin, man, tough loss. Keep the team up, but you need to do this. Blah blah blah. I seen in quarter three you did this, or he was just a phenomenal extra help and he just made me a better receiver and he got me to where I was and really taught and and send me all the information he could. He sent me uh, examples from NFL guys and. Even guys doing stuff wrong when it was the preseason, like he slipped here because he did this and stuff like that. So it's going to help Gavin game a lot and take him a step further.
0: Your relationship sounds pretty close, too, when you really talk about you and and the Laufenberg family and babe and, and really what you guys meant to each other on and off the field.
3: Yeah, me and Babe are extremely close. I mean, I love him and the family, and they always reached out and were always supportive of us, man. They always found a way to watch the game no matter what was going on and was always there when he could be and always reached out. So I grew a relationship with Babe that I'll forever have, and and I'm just blessed to have him in my life and to be able to talk to him and learn from what he has to say. So, yeah, I'm forever grateful for him for sure.
1: Justin switching it up just talking a little bit more about the conversations you've had to go to that next level do you have an agent do you have somebody representing you at, at for for this next level
3: yes I do have an agent um his name is uh Corey Williams he has currently he has like six clients in the NFL and they all have a similar path to myself and just uh a couple like he has three receivers that have been undrafted free agents and they have found a team and and the reason I chose this agent is because he was somebody that continued to work for the client, like one receiver vividly was on six different teams within five years, and that just showed me that the agent has a determination to continue to work to make sure that his client is in the best position to win and and that's and that's all ultimately what it's all about as long as your agent is continuously working for you and pushing your name, then what more can you ask for? What was the process
0: of choosing an agent like for you? Did you have a lot of guys that you ended up looking over and talking to before
3: you made your decision? Yeah, I had a couple people that reached out, and just I just had to talk to them all and see what they all had to offer and see what was best for me and what agent would do the most for me. And and ultimately, that that's the reason I chose my current agent. All right, 41 past the hour. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with Justin and
0: talk a little bit about uh, what he expects as he gets ready for a chance to play on Sundays here. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. 49 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Back with uh, Justin Garrett, wrapping up our hour together with him and uh, looking forward to um, March 9th, folks. That's going to be when... Uh, Justin gets to work out, and and you've got other miners that are going to be joining
3: you on pro day, right? Well, yeah, one hundred percent. Just the names: uh, Quadres Wally, Josh Caldwell, Walt Neal, Bobby DeHaro, Darte Lee, uh, Quadres Wally. I think I already said him. Uh, we, we like him. We see him twice. Yeah. Davion?
1: <laughs> Is Davion joining too? Davion. Oh Davion? yeah,
3: Davion. Yeah, ten for sure. Can't forget ten. So <laughs> I I think that pretty much rounds off the list of us a, a seven. Breon a Hayward. Um Breon is actually going back on the team. He's yeah. Really? Okay, wow. so. cool. All right. I, I believe nice. so. Yeah, I, he cuz I don't I don't believe he's doing the uh pro day, so I think he's back on the team. What number is Brion Hayward? He's uh, 40, 17.
0: 17? Let me see if I can find 17 on this list on this roster we've got here. Yeah, there he is, Breon Hayward.
3: Yeah. exactly. Richard and Jurich is yeah. back. As, I mean, uh Walter Don is back as well, so mm-hmm. yeah, so Right, yeah, good. Breon is a, a big piece of that defense that will take them to the next level as well. And he has playing experience. Him and t Knight together, I think pff, that's probably one of the best linebacker duos in the country right now, I think, personally. Oh, and, and that doesn't even talk about the uh, defensive line and what they're going to be doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, that's for sure. But, yeah, a very good defense. They're, they're outstanding, man.
0: I mean, you look at uh, what, what Jadrian's been able to
3: do and in uh, praise, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah those guys wreak havoc on quarterbacks and I mean and then you try to stay away from them on the outsides and you run it up the middle you have Kelvin Moss and Keenan Stewart right there I mean that's 600 pounds alone between those two guys and God forbid it get past those guys, then now you have T-Knight and Breon right there to stop it. So I'm, the defense is outstanding, man. It's, it's very good.
0: I'm with you on that one. By the way, uh, Ronald Watts coming back to anchor the running game along with oh, the yeah. Deion Hankins, and then yeah. you still got Willie Eldridge. Uh, exactly. Running's going to be a big strength for this football
3: team, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's, it's going to be a very exciting season. I mean, this team is very much—they're they're young we what we lost seven seniors, so I mean they're they're young and they everybody has experience and they're ready to play. And man, I'm just excited for them. I mean they're they're ready to take that next step for sure.
0: I agree with you. Um, when you look back at your UTEP career, what are you going to really remember uh, about
3: your time in El Paso? I would say the thing that I'm gonna remember the most is just the turnaround of the program. Just how much different it was in the city. Uh, before, like when I first got here, people would say, man, uh, good luck this year, man. I hope you guys do something. And then last year, it was just, man, great win, man. We're excited, man. The whole family was there. It was great to see you guys win, man. We're we're so excited that you guys are winning. So I would say that is something that I remember most. It's just the the culture between the city has changed. And now, even even now I'm pretty sure fans are they're so excited like what is the program going to do now so yeah that that's one thing I would say that I remember the most.
1: Justin now when uh, football is done for you could you ever see yourself coming back to El Paso that's a that's an interesting kind of question but I, I feel like this city's made a good imprint on you.
3: Yeah for sure I, I would forever call El Paso my second home and I love it here, man. I, I can picture myself being a coach for UTEP if Coach Demo would give me a job. So that that's something I would look forward to and I, I for sure want to be a coach and it's it's nothing better to be a coach where where you played at. So yeah.
0: Now uh you got
3: your degree in kinesiology, correct? No, it's actually in multidisciplinary studies, so it's just like general studies and I'm working on getting my master's degree, which uh I plan to be Graduating in the fall and actually walking the stage because I I technically haven't had the opportunity to because when I graduated, it was COVID, so it was no ceremonies. And then it just laid after it was like, why walk the stage? I graduated two semesters ago. So Yeah, I'm looking forward to actually getting my master's degree and walking across that stage, man. That'd be awesome. By the way, um, you might be playing
0: on Sundays during that uh, graduation.
3: That's a a possibility. You know that. For sure, man, for sure. That that would be a dream come true. I mean, it it wouldn't be a better feeling to have it that way.
0: I talked to somebody uh, with the program, and they told me, as long as Justin Garrett gets on a football, on an NFL roster, they're not going to be able to cut him. Because once they see what he's about on and off the field and what he can do, uh, you're you're in. So I think as you go into your preparation, you feel the same way. Just give me that opportunity because you know you're going to make the most of it.
3: 100%. I mean, it's 32 NFL teams. I just need one team to give me an opportunity, and I'm for sure with that one opportunity it's going to stick and and they're going to be able to see that whatever I do as a player and what I offer as a person but yeah I just need one opportunity and I'm going to give everything I got and and I know that's going to be more than enough so I'm excited and I'm more than ready for the opportunity you've been a frequent visitor of us over the last 8 or 10 months
0: Uh, We can't thank you enough. You've been a class act all the time. We love talking to you. Uh, You represent the schools as everybody would want a football player to represent wearing the UTEP jersey. And I know on behalf of Adrian and myself and all the fans wish you nothing but the best. And we can't wait to see you get a chance to play on Sundays.
3: Yeah. I appreciate you guys, man. And like I said, I love El Paso. I love the city, man. It's, It's a great environment. And like who wouldn't want to be a part of this type of stuff? I mean, I'm thankful for you guys for always inviting me and always talking to me. I mean, I know I can talk a lot and stuff like that, man. It's it's always a great time here, and like I said, I love El Paso. I I love the city, man. So forever grateful and thankful for the opportunity and always appreciative of Coach Dimmo and his staff for changing my life and allowing me to come here. We'll see you on March 9th. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: Justin Garrett, folks, joining us here on Sports Talk. Final hour next. We continue. 600 ESPN El Paso. There is an amazing story right now going on in the area playoffs for the UIL uh, basketball playoffs, state playoffs, and that is what's uh, happening uh, between Chapin and Amarillo Tascosa. Now, Chapin's been trailing almost this entire game. In fact, for them, you wondered, would they have enough in the tank in the fourth quarter to mount a rally against Tascosa and be able to pull this off and all they've done in the fourth is go on a 16 to one run thanks to full court man-to-man pressure which Wayne Thornton who's there watching it said turned the whole game around and now this went from a 38-34 Tascosa lead after three to a 50-42 Chapin lead with just over three minutes left to play. That's huge.
1: Yeah, it really is, and uh, you got to give a lot of credit to the young gun in Antoine Holmes, who's the shooting guard on this team. He plays alongside K.J. Lewis. He's one of the younger—well, actually, I I say he's like one of the younger guys. He's a senior, but the way that he's been able to progress from his sophomore season on varsity to now is pretty remarkable. I mean, he's uh, transitioned from just kind of like an off-the-bench role player for Chapin. Now he's like one of their guys. He averages almost 13 points per game. His best game of the year— came against Austin when he, he poured 21 points. And uh, as Colin Deaver of KTSM writes, he poured 12 of the 16 points for the Huskies in this game that we're talking about right now as the Huskies are on that 16-1 to run.
0: So here's the way this game has gone so far. It's it's really interesting. Um, they were up 15-11 after one. Then Tesco built a 10-point lead midway through the second quarter. Uh, Chapin cut it to one with 40 seconds left in the second quarter, but Amarillo led it 29 26 at halftime. Then in the third quarter, pretty even, 38 34, Tascosa with the four point lead. But Chapin made their run, and, uh, as Wayne said, thanks to that, uh, full court man to man pressure, which is a staple of Chapin High, um, you know, built up an eight-point lead with just over three minutes left. We'll get a final for you hopefully soon here. And you know, big uh, the big story here, the big takeaway, Adrian, is that you know, if if they hold on, which you got to feel they will, KJ Lewis is going to live to play another day with uh, with his Chapin Huskies.
1: Yeah, and I I like what uh, Colin Deaver also posted about K.J. Lewis in this game right now. He is on the bench. He did make the trip. Uh, He is coaching, encouraging his players, being very vocal and being very engaged with this team. Now, uh, Antoine Holmes has been the big success story from this one for Chapin, so uh, I like this balance that Chapin displays going, now if they're able to hang on and win, going into that regional quarterfinals. I like the versatility that this team really has.
0: I don't blame you. And by the way, I find it interesting. I know I knew KJ was not able to play, but I did not know he could still make the trip and be out there with the team on the bench.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's real, When I saw that tweet initially, I thought that was really interesting right there. And gosh, that must just pain him, not being able to help the team. But uh, it just shows the leadership qualities that he really has. And remember, uh, KJ is a junior. He's not one of these seniors, but he's out there coaching, being uh, fully engaged. And you could just you could just see how badly he wants uh, them to advance so then he can have a chance to play again uh, in a Chapin uniform.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where we're at right now. So, yep, give a lot of credit to uh, what we've seen so far. Uh, And that is, you know, just a relentless comeback and Chapin showing that they were not ready to go home. And by the way, you said something really interesting. Uh, This team is built for this run. I mean that's really what they're all about. That's why they press, that's why they go full court, that's why they're relentless. They they they'll do it into the fourth quarter when they have a big lead. It's all in preparation of having a chance to make a deep run into the state tournament.
1: Yeah, this team is built to win. Now they they finished the year twenty nine and four. Uh, they only you know they're going in their non conference schedule to some great teams. Not here in El Paso only. I mean they're they're always trying to play the best teams that they can. And I I just like the senior balance that this team has. You have uh, Flores on the team who's a senior. He averages almost fourteen points a game. You have Goldsmith who's a junior. He averages ten. So you just have a lot of guys who could score on this team. Oh, and by the way, Martin Eddy, who is. Their senior uh, point guard, I believe, he has he has a real nice balance and flow to his own game. So this team is, uh, you know, this team's pretty deep. This is the deepest team that I think Rodney Lewis has had as KJ Lewis has been here.
0: What happened with uh, Parkland and Paladuro?
1: I haven't heard any scoring updates with that one. That's the only one I haven't heard a scoring update for. So I'm going to see if I can try to get a score from that.
0: Yeah, because that game should have been over already. And uh, right now, oh, here we go uh Tascosa making one final run according to Colin 43.8 seconds left to go Adrian and it's 56 51 Tascosa with the ball Oh, so
1: they—they they definitely have a chance if they are able to hit a three, knock it, uh, knock down that lead for Chapin. So yeah, this one's not over yet. The the Huskies really have to try to hang on. Tiscousa is a tough team. I, I know that we we thought that this should be one of those games where the the Huskies have the best opportunity to win. Yep. but yeah, it's a tough one for them.
0: Paladuro beat Parkland today, eighty nine fifty seven. So Parkland's season comes to an end. After an 89-57 win uh, today against the Matadors, and what does that mean? That means that if, in fact, Chapin is able to hold on and uh, defeat uh, Tascosa, they will get Paladuro. In uh, the regional, uh, the regional round.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And one other scoring update to mention: we had mentioned, uh, you know, Parkland maybe advancing at some points. What about Canyon T.L. Well, uh, they lost today to Amarillo, forty-one to twenty-two. It's a tough one for the Eagles. They have a nice team as well, just weren't a- able to get it done here in the area round.
0: All right. So uh, the downside is it means that we're not going to get all El Paso games, which we were hoping for. Because if Parkland had knocked off Paladuro, they would have played. Chapin in El Paso. Instead, that will probably be uh, back out there in, in someplace uh, neutral site.
1: Well, it's interesting, right? Because last year we were talking about the two teams that went fur- the furthest in the playoffs in Americas and Chapin. This year, same thing, Steve. Uh, Americas getting a huge win today over Byron Nelson. They had to rally back too, and they didn't just beat Byron Nelson; they beat him by eleven. So yeah. that's a that's a huge surge for that Trailblazers team they have a great squad they've only I think they've only lost uh, you know two or three games all year long
0: by the way where will Palo Duro be playing where's a neutral site when you're Amarillo I mean, Midland-Odessa is close to Amarillo. That's not really fair. So where where do you think a neutral site could be? Man,
1: I, Roswell, I, I hate those. I hate the neutral site playoff games of this conversation, but Roswell, Carlsbad, those types of that, – that would be probably
0: just off the top
1: of my can head. Can you thinking.
0: actually play neutral site games in the state of New Mexico? Yes, yes. All right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, playoff games definitely
0: right. interesting. Well, that might end up being what it is because you kind of say to yourself, you go to Midland uh, and you go to Midland Odessa. That's not really. Uh, that's not really fair, is it?
1: Well, that, that's an interesting point because uh, the other thing to think about is you know uh, New Mexico has a lot different uh, COVID restrictions than we do in Texas. So I'm curious to see if that factors into what kind of facilities are yeah. able to use or if they go for something like a Midland.
0: You know what? It's it's still a three and a half hour drive. From uh, Amarillo to Midland. So if you think about it... And then uh, from El Paso to Midland, you're dealing with a four and a half hour drive. So you know what? That's probably close enough. You probably go Midland, Odessa, someplace there to watch. Uh, t- you know, to watch Palo Duro, uh go ahead and-, and take off. Because think about it, aren't they playing in Midland right now anyway?
1: Yeah, I, I believe
0: and- so. And that's an that's Amarillo, Tescosa. So it's another Amarillo club. You're probably just going to stay out there and, and do it yeah, again. Yeah, makes Midland. the
1: most sense. I think those facilities are going to be available. Those those are the ones that you're going to have a chance to play at. I would make the most sense in my opinion now america's might have to make this further uh further travel because they probably i i gotta double check on who they play but uh yeah that's gonna be a, a a different kind of travel than what chapin could experience
0: i'm with you on that one now uh 56 51 is the score 20 and a half seconds left to go according to colin tascosa was about to cut it to three but antoine holmes flew through the air to swat the ball away and as Colin Deaver said, it has been the Antoine Holmes show all game long. You talked about that earlier. It's great to see another star step up in the absence of a K.J. Lewis.
1: Yeah, I am really I really like Antoine Holmes. He has a lot of versatility to his game. I don't know what kind of offers he's even looking at this year, Steve, but uh, he should definitely get some, you know, if he hasn't gotten any D1 looks or anything like that, this guy should be playing college basketball somewhere. The JUCO level, D3 level, whatever it may be, he, he, he can definitely play.
0: Absolutely. All right. uh, Looking forward to that. In the meantime, as we continue here on Sports Talk, let's go ahead and uh, break for a Sports Center. Adrian is standing by. Then we'll come back. Final 30 minutes next. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right. uh, All right. Last update we've got for you 5.3 seconds left to go. Chapin's up three at the line. They make a free throw. Game is over. They miss. Then uh, Tascosa could have a last chance effort to try to send it into overtime.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I just want to commend uh, the Chapin Huskies for the effort that they had. Just going through all the distractions that were off the field uh, with them this week, uh, knowing that they were going to have to play this one without their star player in K.J. Lewis, despite the game against Tescosa, that's still a quality opponent in the playoffs, and they had to do it without their best player, and, and it looks like they're, they have a great chance to try to do it here.
0: Now, is a 500-basketball team, so you say to yourself, is a 500-team uh, capable of knocking off the elite? To Chapin Huskies minus KJ Lewis.
1: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. I just will say that the two five A over there in that uh, that that Odessa area, the Amarillo area, those are always quality teams out there. I mean, always a year after year, they always have the best. Whether it's Palo Duro, whether it's Teams like Amarillo High; those have some quality, quality teams, and they're, they always give El Paso teams fit. So, I, I think it's still a very quality win for an El Paso group like Chapin.
0: Amarillo High held um, Kenny at twenty-two points today. Yeah, that's that's quality. That's a quality team right there. Wow, that is uh, that is huge when you start to really think about that twenty-two points in a basketball game. So, yeah, some good defensive efforts out there. That's for sure. But again, this is the tournament. Um, you know, but you're right with all the talk about Chapin. Uh, minus uh, K.J. Lewis and what they've been able to do. We really should give a lot of props to what's been going on in the 6A ranks. So that's a huge, huge win today.
1: Yeah, again, uh, the the America's Trailblazers this year, only two losses, 34-2 and two all year. In district play, the only team they lost to is Franklin, and that, that's a good team right there in town. So they are 17-0 at home. In neutral site games, they were 9-1, so they could do it at home and do it on the road. That America's high school team, they grind you out. They play slow basketball. They they emphasize their defense. They love their their seniors, and that's just a testament to what uh, their, their coaching staff has done over there. And I, I just really appreciate what Americas has done, just in the in terms of the city of El Paso in basketball.
0: How far can they go in the 6A state playoffs? Yeah,
1: they've got a tough one, Steve, next week. So they have uh, they have a uh, I guess it's either friendship. I, I'm gonna, I'm going to assume that it's going to be friendship who wins that one. Uh, friendship's one of the best teams in 6A, just period. And uh, that that's a team that killed Coronado early this week, so that's going to be a tough one if Americas ends up having uh, to take on Friendship.
0: Oh, it sounds uh, th- that sounds brutal when it's all said and done. So, yeah, in fact, that would be six uh, A Region One and Two, correct?
1: I believe so. That's right.
0: All right, I'm going to try to check out six uh, A Region One and Two and find out uh, just uh, you know who, in fact, Americas will end up playing. Uh, in the uh, in the next round. By the
1: way, real quick, final score: Chapin survives, fifty-seven, fifty-three is a victory for the Huskies. Awesome,
0: absolutely awesome. That is uh, that's what you want to hear. So that's uh, that's really good news. And um, right now, and I'm looking, and I'm wondering if I'm in the wrong. Uh, I might be in last. year. I am. I was in last year's tournament. All right, I'm in the 2021 state tournament. I need to get myself over to the 2022. Uh, state tournament. Let me see here and find out exactly what's going on. So, uh, And by the way, Byron Nelson had a really good run last year. They went deep last year. But with America's winning, uh, we will get the Friendship Keller Central game coming up. Uh, That started about five minutes ago. So the winner of that game gets America's and that will be, uh, I believe, either next... uh, early next week in the regional quarterfinals. They're saying it could be as early as Monday or Tuesday in the regional quarterfinals.
1: Yeah, friendship this year, 30-3. What a record that they had. And they're doing it in 6A Region 1, District 2, with the likes of Permian, Odessa. You have to take on some really, really good teams. When you just look at uh, Texas Division 6A all together, you're talking about quality teams like Dickinson, Shadow Creek High School, and you have to include friendship in that mix as well they are atop uh, some of the standings and uh, they are a very very good team so that's gonna be a tough one for the trailblazers to win
0: they beat coronado 72 43 in the first yeah, round
1: that just shows you yeah and yeah. hey, coronado's not not a whole, uh, bad team at all i mean they made the playoffs of course uh but I, I just i think that friendship team is just really special
0: well i'm telling you what so is america's so we know that so is america friendship top 10 team in 6a how about wow that? that's huge all right Hey, maybe they get upset tonight. Maybe Keller Central is able to do something special, and all of a sudden, uh, that's that they shock everybody. And that game, by the way, is being played at McMurray University. So that's where the um, uh, Friendship Keller Central game is at, McMurray University. Come back, wrap it up, final countdown. We'll talk all about UTEP and UAB tomorrow. That's how we'll close the show. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.